I was reading a book called The One Thing. Has anyone ever heard of that? A dude by Greg Keller. Uh, I think my wife showed it to me before. Um, and, oh, it's red. Great. Okay. Um, so anyways, this book is all about basically priorities. And so it's whatever, what's that one thing that you have to do right now? What's that one, whatever task it is, like you're boiling everything down, whether it's your, you know, it's your day off. What's the one thing I want to do today? Or you're at your job. Okay, what's the first thing that I need to do? What's the one thing I need to do? And it just boils everything down so you just prioritize everything. Anyway, it was awesome to help me prioritize tasks at work and even things to do around the house. Um, and when we talk about priorities, I think uh, this uh, particular chapter in the Book of Romans really helps put things in perspective of keeping the main thing the main thing. Experiences, we have a lot of beliefs, we have a lot of beliefs within the Christian culture. I want to be spiritually filled. You know, I'm reborn. I'm adopted in the family, and I want to live by his spirit. But I also want to help, not just so I warehouse the gospel and keep this all to myself, but I want to do this main thing of helping others. And so I kind of think of it as a triangle. You got a passion for God, a love for all people, and making disciples. So you have love for God, love for others, and making disciples. Just kind of a basic thing that I like to keep the main thing, the main thing. And I think the importance of the main thing is, is to keep the main thing, the main thing. And you might hear me say that a lot, but where we get into trouble is where secondary issues or peripheral issues start becoming the main thing or very, very, very important. And so what we're going to see is a little microcosm of how this problem worked itself out in kind of the Roman church, had multicultural kind of deal. And there were some problems that Paul was addressing in his letter to them. Um, and we're going to take a look at that. Um, but I know that some of us, we, we lose sight of it. Some of us, raise your hand if you've ever had an obsession with something that was not significant at all. Okay, so 
some people love obsessing about in, insignificant things. And I mean, this could be anything from certain hobbies that you like to do or political things that you really, you know, think are important that everyone should adopt your opinion about. Um, we tend to have an obsession with the insignificant at times. Um, but as we're trying to influence other people, we have to keep the main thing the main thing. And with everything, we got to love people. We got to truly love people. Like, I kind of want to do that exercise earlier with, um, with just listening to someone. Just be like, hey, like in Philippians, don't only look to your own interests, but also look to the interests of others. Start, instead of espousing your own opinions and your, you know, pontificating on what you think is important, start listening to other people. Believers, non-believers, about all kinds of issues. It's amazing what we could learn about other people as we just listen to them. And then that might clarify some of our own convictions or it might give us a glimpse in how we could pray for them. So many different things come into that. So the important thing about um, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Likewise, the second thing is to keep the second thing second. <laughs> so meaning the other things that are pretty good, but we don't want to put those in the main thing. And we're going to kind of spell this out. And kind of towards the end, I'm going to have you guys do a little, um, I guess, self-assessment about where you're at and a lot of different, what we want to call neutral issues or non-essential issues. Um, but the main thing, GC squared, everything, everyone with me on GC squared, the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. Okay? Love God, love others, and make disciples. I think that's the main thing of New Covenant, New Testament, Spirit-filled living. Okay? Would you guys agree? And so when we do that, when we're trying to help influence other people spiritually, we got to know and how to distinguish when to challenge and confront people when to strengthen and nurture people and encourage the heck out of them, pray for them and love them and disciple them, and when to kind of leave things alone, when to overlook things and say, you know what, they have freedom to do that. I personally wouldn't do that. I don't think it's wise, but, you know, um, it's kind of neutral issues, non-essential issues. Um, there's a, an awesome quote um, that you guys could write down, memorize, um, it's um, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, charity. Okay, I'll say it one more time. In essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, charity or love. Okay, so I'm actually going to write them down because they're so important. So in essentials, what? Unity. Unity. So what that basically means is in things that are essential, that are vital, that are most important, think of um, certain doctrines of Scripture like the death and resurrection of Christ, 
kind of an essential doctrine, don't you believe? The Word of God being inerrant and authoritative for all of life. Pretty essential, okay? In essentials, we need to have unity. We need to be unified in that. We can't be like, well, I don't know. It's not really Word of God. It's kind of like maybe you could include that sometimes. It's kind of an, uh, a thing that we have to be unified in. The next thing is in non-essentials, liberty. What do I mean by liberty? Freedom. Freedom. It's a neutral issue. It's non-essential, okay? It's something that, you know, I might feel pretty strong about, but you feel pretty strong about it. It's not super clearly mandated in Scripture one way or the other. It's fairly neutral. It's non-essential. And we're going to be kind of unpacking that tonight because Paul was addressing this in Romans 14 big time. And you'll kind of see how he doesn't say, and these people are totally right and those people are totally wrong. He kind of says, you know what? They really feel this, don't condemn them. They really feel this, don't despise them. And in all things, charity. In all things, charity, which is love, grace. It doesn't matter if it's essential, non-essential, we still got to love people and give them grace. So this was kind of coined by a guy named um, Rupert, um, Rupertus Melodinus. The Catholics like to say that one of their guys was it, but it was in the like 16th century. And then a, a guy named Baxter, he um, got in a printing press and started getting all around um, that specific um, thing. But I think it's pretty helpful as we look at um, what the Bible teaches about all this. So again, when we're discipling other people and we're figuring out when to challenge and confront them, when to leave things alone, when to nurture them, it's important what we decide to and how and when we decide to do all that. Um, you know, Jesus was praying that may they be one as we are one. Jesus cares about us being unified, right? Jesus um, cares about us having, having his same attitude, not only looking to our own interests, but that to others as well. And so when Christians trivialize significant issues and then hyper-focus on insignificant issues, we got we to gotta own the label of being judgmental. Um, There's a study a book called Unchristian um, by the Barna Group back in early 2000s. Um, and a lot of, like, 80% of the people born in, like, from 1962 to, like, 2002, a lot of those people um, who said that they knew a Christian said one of the reasons that they never even wanted to go to church was because they felt like either Christians were judgmental or they were hypocritical or both. And so that's a label that we get a lot, even with pointing fingers outside the church. Grant, listen up. So, it's a huge topic. It's a big deal. Has anyone ever had a conversation about kind of a, 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 a non-essential issue, something that wasn't a clear command in the Bible, and yet someone else was like, no, dude, we have to do this. Has anyone ever had a conversation like that before? Man, 
if if you're hanging out with people long enough, you tend to have, and this could even be with people who don't know anything about God, a coworker. How many times has there been arguments about things? You're like, why are we even, why are people mad about this? I mean, you guys, it's super sad, but churches split over colors of carpet. What style of cross should go on the pulpit? I mean, there's 10,000 reasons why churches divide, are not unified. And guess what? A lot of them are because of non-essentials. Things that are, they're, they're not always peripheral. They could be pretty important, but they're not something that you'd basically die for. They're things that are more preferences. All right, so Romans chapter 14 Romans chapter 14, I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation. Follow along with me, because we're going to kind of look at each little verse. I'm going to make a comment about it. Again, we're going to peel like the first onion, or layer of the onion tonight. Um, It's kind of a foundational principles we're going to draw. And then next week, we're going to kind of dig a little bit deeper into kind of how this works out. All right, chapter 14, just to bring you guys into the context of this book, Um, Paul was the author, the Apostle Paul, um, the first like eight chapters, he's talking about what the gospel is, what sin is, um, who we are in Christ. Um, and then he kind of talks about God's provident or, um, God's sovereignty, his plan for Israel. And he starts going into kind of these latter chapters about how we're kind of some practical applications. And he starts addressing specific issues that were going on in the church at the time. And Paul hadn't visited there. He had only heard about these things. So he was writing them, hey, I really have been wanting to visit you. And in fact, I intend to. And hey, when I'm there, you guys could actually help me because I'm a missionary. I want to go to Spain, the most uh, Western tip of Europe that I can think of. He probably thought that was the end of the world. Who knows? Uh, Not the end of the world like Armageddon, but you know, as far as you could go. He wanted to go where no one knew. So anyway, he really wanted to go, but he wanted to address some practical issues. And one of them was the danger of criticism. There's different ways that you could kind of title this, but he gets into it right here. All right. Can someone re- read verses one and two? I'll read one and two. Okay, go for it. Great. Okay, so we got the context, okay? He's talking about welcoming or accepting a brother. He uses the term weakness, someone who's weak in faith, and he brings up why. Um, One person believes it's all right to eat anything, but another believer has a sensitive conscience, will eat only vegetables, okay? So some of you guys are like, Derek, I don't care who's a vegetarian, like this is not, let's stay with this because I'm not going to sit here and focus on this issue that happened 2,000 years ago. This is the biggest thing that we need to talk about in 2018 in Remedy. Perhaps, but there's principles that we can draw out of this that are really, really important for every day. 
And so we're going to be looking at food. Again, the context of here is food, festivals, and fermented drink. That's what they're dealing with, okay? I was trying to find F um, things. You could also say diet. Um, what was the other one? Days of worship and desirable drinks. You know, however you want to say that. That's what was some issues for them. They may or may not be issues for us, but we're going to extract some principles that are going to be extremely relevant for conversations that you're going to have with people in Remedy, people in churches five, ten years from now, people at your workplace, people on the street, people you're discipling, things that can cause division, broken hearts, and cause the world to point at Christians and say, look how they treat each other. They don't even love each other, which is the exact opposite of what we should be doing, right? So, verse 1, accept other believers or welcome them who are weak in the faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong, okay? So these weak brothers, I'll just say it right now, the weak ones were more the legalists, the ones who were, were abstaining from eating meat. And we'll go into why, okay? They were what call, Paul says weak in faith, Okay, because they, they were wanting to abstain from eating certain types of food. They only wanted to eat vegetables. Okay. For instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything, but another believer with a sensitive conscience will eat only vegetables. Verse 3. Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. And those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do for God has accepted them. Who are you to condemn someone else's servants? Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall. And with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval. So, I don't know if you guys have ever been to a third world country and went to the marketplace, but I used to live in Africa and I'd go to the market almost every day and there'd be butchers, you know, there'd be goat meat, ham, sometimes beef, fish everywhere, fresh vegetables, marketplace, loud, smoke, people cooking, a lot going on. Um, now, in a lot of cultures, especially in Paul's day, there's a lot of idol worship. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with Buddhism at all, but they, um, and other religions today, but they, they offer food. Um, to idols, you know, you might go to a, like a Buddhist temple right by our house and they have shrines and they have food and incense and it's right standing in front of a statue and you're like, why is there food in front of the statue? They're, they're, it's, they're offering food to idols, you know, to, for them to enjoy, okay? Um, so that was going on in Paul's day and probably similar today. They, the guy who owned the lamb he would kill it, you know, sometimes offer it to an idol, and then, you know, after he was done with that or whatever happened with that, then he'd go to the butcher and sell it to him or go straight to the market and his wife would sell it or whatever. That's happening today. It happened back then. It's still going on, okay? Now, a lot of people would go in there and they would buy the meat and it's kind of the culture. It was offered to an idol, Okay big deal. I'm a pagan. Who cares? But once Christianity is introduced and you worship one God and you don't do any idol worship, some people are like, hold up. I used to do this. I know, you know, that's to demons. 
I don't want to have anything to do with that meat. In fact, you know what? I'm not even going to touch it. I'm not going to look at it. I'm only going to eat vegetables. I'm going to drink water like Daniel. And, you know, that's what I'm going to do, right? Now, for us today, there's a lot of different things, okay? First of all, is it okay if we eat meat today? Like any kind of meat, right? Now, there's a couple of different verses that talk about eating food offered to, to idols. But just generally, are we, can we eat fish, pork? Can we eat anything today as followers of Jesus? Yeah. Jesus talked about it. He says it's not what goes into you that makes you unclean. It's what comes out of you. Okay. And then obviously in Acts 10 with Peter and the sheet coming down, if you're not familiar, Acts 10, read that story. It's pretty much, he, he says all foods are clean to eat. So it's not the, the food that makes you unclean or unholy, it's what you do. And so we're good to eat food. But it says people weak in faith, they had a problem with it, big problem. Verse 3, those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. And those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them. And so there was um, a controversy going on. It could have been with Jewish believers, you know, who didn't eat pork and didn't do a lot of that idol worship. And then Greek believers, you know, they're all in Jesus, but they come from different backgrounds. That could have been it. But overall, there is some disunity about it. And Paul has some practical advice to give them today about what to do. And we'll kind of look at it a little bit more. We'll get through verse 12 here. In the same way, verse 5, some think one day is more holy than another day, while others think every day is alike. Okay, so he's going into a different subject. Holy days, okay? Like the Samaritan woman. You know, he's asking her all these personal questions, and then she's like, where do you worship? You know, trying to get out of it. (laughs) And and so we're to worship God in spirit and truth, as Jesus said. But what days are we supposed to worship? Is it Sunday? Is it Saturday? Is it the Sabbath, like kind of Friday at at dusk to to dusk Saturday? Is it Sundays now? Because we're Christians. Is it any day? Like, what's our holy day? <laughs> it's... We're not into Wait a second. Okay. For, for Muslims, it's Friday. Okay. They have one verse in the Quran and a lot of hadiths where Muhammad said something specific, specific about Friday. So billions of Muslims around the world, Friday is their day. Okay. Jews, we know it's their Sabbath. It's Friday sundown to Saturday. Christians are kind of mixed. Some are like old school, like definitely it's the Sabbath hasn't changed. Others like, no, it's Sunday. That's my Sabbath, you know, and there's all these things. We're not going to talk about all these specific things tonight. We're just going to unpack some principles, but they're talking about holy days. We have our own issues with holy days. They had theirs. Some think one day is more holy than another day, while others think every day is alike. You should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. Okay? I want you to underline or highlight that verse or that that part where it says fully convinced in your own mind. Because you, Christian, 
have to do the diligent work of studying for yourself, not just listening to other people telling you, be fully convinced in your own mind about what is acceptable to you. I had a long conversation with a a young man in Guinea-Bissau, which the Christian culture there is the Sabbath day is Sunday. Whereas I personally, you don't have to, you know, take my word for it. You can look at the scriptures. I don't think the Sabbath day has changed to Sunday. And he was convinced that it did. And I was saying, where? Where in the Bible does it say, you know? And there's some different passages. And we were chatting about it, but he was super passionate. And we were loving each other. And I, I think we we followed this pretty pretty well. Because I believe that's kind of a non-essential thing. Which day? And I think Paul does as well. Those who worship the Lord on a special day, verse 6, do it to honor him. Those who eat any kind of food do so to honor the Lord since they give thanks to God before eating. And those who refuse to eat certain foods also want to please the Lord and give thanks to God. For we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. So as we read this, we're saying, okay, Paul... You're, you're giving these super, at this time, super controversial things that people divided over, people quarreled over, argued over, got super mad at, stormed out, got heated, looked at that person with disdain. Like these issues were, were difficult for people. And what he's saying is, you know, those who eat any kind of food, they do it to honor the Lord. You know, if I have a ham sandwich, I'm like, God, thank you for this food. This is awesome. I had a friend, she was from Kenya. I studied in London for three years when I was going to college. And I met her, we were on a trip. There's a, or three months, thank you. Wow. Sorry, that could have deceived a lot of people. Um, So I met her and she was on a trip. She was the only Christian in this big group we're in. So we we chatted. And uh, she was from Kenya, had a different upbringing and everything. But she eventually found out that she really didn't want want to eat pork and she definitely didn't want me to eat pork either and we're both christians and everything and we had a lot of conversations um so i was like you know what i'm not you know i'm not gonna eat pork in front of her because you know i don't want to as this passage you go and say i don't want to make her stumble i don't want to get her all upset about it um but she was super super like no we can't eat pork like look and i'm like but look, and she was convinced she was not eating pork to the glory of God. I was eating ham sandwiches to the glory of God. You know, it was all good. Non-essentials, there's freedom, there's liberty. I had the freedom to eat. She had freedom to not eat. Doing so to God. She did. It was, it was tough. She, we were good. I, I convinced her in different ways. But some things I couldn't convince her. She was, she was pretty tough. Verse 7, for we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. Verse 8, if we live, it's to honor the Lord. And if we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. I like this principle about life and death because it's like from life to death, whether we're living or we're dying, it's all for the Lord. Like from beginning of our life to the end, it's all about God. It's all about who he is. And so we're not just trying to live to please ourselves. It's for the Lord. So everything we do or don't do, all these non-essential issues, we got to really think about others 
okay? It doesn't mean we capitulate and give in to whatever anyone wants us to do. Um, for example, um, I was part of InterVarsity Bible study in college, and we had different guys that would come in from the Baha'i religion, which is kind of gathers a whole bunch of stuff from other religions and kind of they could kind of be like chameleons. So anyway, they were coming to our group. We didn't know it, but they started to ask questions and say some things that were a little wonky. And so some of our leaders and our, were like, oh, interesting. You know, just the way they talk, you're like, okay, I think he's a Christian, but man, he's asking weird things. So, so things are off. Basically, a few weeks down the road, our leader kind of gets us together a little huddle and he says, hey, just so you guys know, and he let us know they're from another religion. They were coming in specifically to try to have some people start doubting a little bit about the Bible, about who God is, and try to lead them out to go to their meetings to learn about their religion. So they kind of had an agenda. They were trying to infiltrate. And a lot of religions do that. I mean, some Christians probably do that too, infiltrate, you know, get in, get out kind of a thing. But they were trying to stir some things up. So this doesn't mean in, you know what, they believe that, it's cool, just let welcome them, accept them. You know, if there's certain things that people are trying to do to sway you that are totally wrong, like things that they're trying to be super legalist about. We had another guy come to Remedy years ago, and I think he was Seventh-day Adventist. Anyway, whatever persuasion he was, he was trying to convince me that, I should be eating vegetables. Like, this was literally coming out. I was like, whoa, where is this coming from? <laughs> you know, like he was talking about it. Like, that was his main thing at Remedy. And he, I think he came once or twice, but that was the only thing he wanted to talk about is my diet. He's like, so what do you eat? I'm like, what? You know, so this, huh? I don't know. I think he was from CRC. I think my dad invited him. So anyways, so... But here's the thing. We don't kind of budge with someone else coming in with their agenda, kind of legalist. Like, doesn't mean we hate them and disgrace them or whatever. It's they come in and we're like, hey, we're going to accept you. But when you're trying to tweak the whole group into believing like this non-essential thing, like, hey, all of you need to do like I do. It's like, hold on, dude, we're not we're not going to do that. Like, if you're going to continue to do that, then it's probably best that you don't come at all kind of a thing. So it's important to know when to draw the line on certain things. Yeah, welcome them and, you know, I won't eat meat in front of you. But when you're trying to sway a whole group to do something that's not essential, that's not cool, that's not good. And we got to have some um, discernment on that kind of stuff. All right, verse 10. So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? He's kind of talking to the two camps there. The one who's judging, the weak in faith, abstaining from vegetables, who's judging, condemning, saying, hey, don't eat meat. Bad. We're not supposed to. It's been offered to idols. Stop. I'm abstaining. Kind of more legalist. But then he kind of goes other. Why do you look down on another believer? The other guy, why do you despise that guy? He wants to eat vegetables, okay? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God for the scriptures say, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me and every tongue confess and give praise to God. 
Yes, verse 12, each of us will give a personal account to God. Okay, so there's a couple things in this, and then we're going to unpack a little bit more about how do we discern what's biblical, like basically what's an essential and what's a non-essential. Okay, but a couple of things to write down. One is, first off, we can't judge people. We can't condemn. Okay, that's kind of an external, like in front of other people. This guy doesn't know what he's talking about. This guy needs to start doing what we're doing, okay? We can't judge externally like that. But also, we can't despise someone internally. We can't look down on someone. Like someone really, 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 you know what? They don't want to eat McDonald's. They think it's sinful. They don't like it. You know what? I'm not going to despise them. Okay, I'm not going to, in my mind, totally think less of them. Okay, if they're trying to get on my case and everything, let's talk about it. I'm still going to love them, but I'm, I'm not going to like judge them in my mind. So we can't do that. Paul, Paul's pretty clear about that. So the weak believed that if the Bible hadn't specifically approved something, then it was probably wrong. Those that were strong, on the other hand, believed if the Bible hadn't specifically forbidden something, then it was probably within the realm of freedom. Does that make sense? Yeah, so the weak believed, oh, by the way, this is from a dude named Keith Krell. He's a pastor and professor at Moody Bible in Washington. He says the weak believe that if the Bible hadn't specifically approved something, then it was probably wrong. Those that were strong, on the other hand, strong in their faith, believed if the Bible hadn't specifically forbidden something, then it was probably within the realm of freedom, okay? So you kind of two camps there, okay? One's really like, hey, you know, God, God didn't totally approve that, so we can't do that. Or the other was like, well, God didn't forbid that, so, you know, it's fine. And people go back and forth on it. So, this saying of Rubertus, sometimes known as Peter, it strikes the right balance. It calls for unity on essential things, the core truth in our union with Christ, and essentials, not the unimportant, but those things that if lacking do not prevent our union with Christ, it calls for liberty. Okay, so we have consciences, we have the word of God, we need to be fully convinced in our own mind about these things. And we need to, you know, we need to love each other. So there's a verse in Romans chapter 15. Go there. And we're going to look at more of uh, the next part of 14 next week. But Romans chapter 15, verse 5 through 7. Can someone read that? 5 through 7. Nico. Amen. Okay. With one heart and mouth, you may glorify God. That's what we want to do. We want to be together. We want to fellowship. We want to be brothers, sisters, and arms. We want to move forward 
keeping the main thing the main thing and keeping the second thing the second thing or third thing the third thing. Um, the other thing too, um, and I kind of reference this when people were coming into IV or Remedy, um, we don't want to have like some people might call doctrinal, doctrinal minimalism, meaning I'm going to start shrinking down all the different doctrines so that we could kind of make everyone happy. We don't want to do that, okay? We really, really want to love everyone, but we don't want to take these essential doctrines about, you know, the deity of Christ and the inerrant word of God and things like that and kind of make them so flimsy that everyone could kind of believe that. We don't want to do that because pretty soon that goes on a slippery slope that pretty soon you're, you're not even orthodox Christian. You're not, you're not following the true thing. So we don't want to totally deviate from these things. So we're going to kind of talk about now, um, kind of with this Romans 14 as a contact, some things that are, I think, pretty helpful. Did I get a... Okay, everyone got this down? We good on that? Did you say no? All right, so what I want to do now in this approach to um, distinguishing the essentials from the non-essentials, because really this is where the rubber hits the road, right? It's like, Derek, okay, I kind of get like we got to love each other and there's some issues, we got to work it out, but how do we really distinguish? And I'm going to kind of break down some different things, and I got it out of my friend Dwight Edwards. He's not really my friend. I just call him my friend because I like the book. Uh, Dwight Edwards. He's a direct descendant of Jonathan Edwards, the great American preacher. Cool book um, called Releasing the Rivers Within. And he kind of goes over some stuff that makes us really practical. So first off, briefly, we'll talk about the things. Actually, I used red before. Let's use blue. All right. Write this down. Biblical. Have you guys ever been in a conversation where someone says, ah, uh, yeah, that's biblical. Yeah. And you're like, what does that mean? Like, yeah, uh, I, I think I was talking to one person. They're like, yeah, we had her live at our house, you know, kind of a community type thing because it's kind of more biblical. And I'm like, you know. Like, you have to unpack what that means, you know? And there's a lot of different ways that we can do that. So, biblical, I'll define it this way. There's plenty of different ways. But as we're looking at how to distinguish um, essentials from non-essentials, these might be called more essentials, okay? Biblical. These are clearly and unmistakably revealed or mandated in the scriptures, okay? Clearly, unmistakably revealed mandated in the scriptures and they're keeping up with the New Testament because not everything we read in the Old Testament as we'll kind of unpack a little bit here is binding on us right now okay not everything keeping with the New Testament so this is where a cool word called hermeneutics comes in hermeneutics Herman who hermeneutics there's actually a really good resource called Herman Who. It's actually a real resource by Todd Friel, and it's like this cool thing where he unpacks this hermeneutic. Basically, it's the art and science of interpreting scripture. Now, 
If you don't like that word, you could forget about it. Let me clearly state why it's important. The reason it's important when understanding what's biblical, when someone says, no, dude, that's biblical, this is a way to kind of figure out what it is. It's the art and science of interpreting the scripture, okay? There's a few essentials to that, and I could do like a whole night on talking about hermeneutics because it's cool. But it's basically the context. It's kind of all about the context, but more specifically, the history of what's going on in that passage, the context, the language, you know, it's figurative language. Um, if it's supposed to be like um, very expressive, um, the different covenant that you're in, are you in the old covenant or the new covenant and the circumstances surrounding everything? Okay. A lot of people like to quote Old Testament promises for themselves, and again, we can do that a lot. But sometimes God is trying to encourage um, his people who are in exile or sinning big time, and he's giving them specific things. Um, and it's not really meant for us at all time in all circumstances. Just because the Bible says it doesn't mean we could grab it and say, that's mine, and put it into our life. Because we got to consider the circumstances. Like, I can't totally use that verse for me because I'm not in exile, I'm not suffering, and God's not promising me to come back and do this thing. Okay? Again, there's a lot of different ways we could go, but this gives a good reality of what's hermeneutics and why it's important. Okay, so what's biblical? So let's kind of go into a, a couple of things here. First of all, sorry I was away from the microphone. Is it green? Good. All right. So let's get practical stealing, okay? Should we do it? Okay. Does the Old Testament say anything about stealing? What does it say? Don't steal, right? In Exodus and Deuteronomy, okay? That's Old Testament, though, buddy. Old Testament. Now, New Testament, does the New Testament have anything to say about stealing or not stealing? Yeah. In Ephesians is one example. Okay, basically most of the Ten Commandments we can find very easily in, in the New Testament. Okay, so that's an example of really figuring out what's biblical. This is that being convinced in your own mind of things. This is how you get convinced of hermeneutical Bible study. Just figuring out what it says, what it means, what it said to the original authors, and how I could apply it to my own life today. Okay, another thing, giving. Okay, Old Testament Mainly tithe, right? There's other offerings, a lot of different religious things, but giving a tenth of your income, right? Now, New Testament kind of changes that a little bit. There's nothing in there that says specifically 10%. There's a verse in 2 Corinthians that kind of says a man could give whatever is in his purposes in his heart to give. There's nothing specifically in the book of Acts or Paul's letters that are specific to this is what, as Christians, we ought to give, this kind of percentage, okay? Doesn't mean we don't give, but it doesn't mean it has to be exactly what the Old Testament say, okay? Whereas the first one was stealing, it's kind of the same throughout. Old Testament, New Testament, giving, okay, it's changed a little bit, but we're still to give, you know? What about this, eating pork? What does the Old Testament have to say about that? Don't do it, right? Leviticus, can't do it. It's unclean, don't do it. 
There's probably a lot of reasons for that. We won't go into it. What about as Christians in the new covenant? Okay. Again, it's the context, history, language, covenant, and circumstances. We got to really remember every time we read the Old Testament, one of the biggest gaps is we're in a new covenant. We're in a new promise. We're no longer under the Mosaic law, but we're under Jesus's new covenant. Okay. So that makes a big difference in how we view certain things. I want to talk to that girl from Kenya before I answer this. Oh, okay. She could convince you. But we have, we already talked about that. We already talked about that. Jesus talked about it, right? In the book of Acts, it's very clear that we could eat any food we want. Okay. And if you want more information, verses about that, we could go on that later. Okay. So that's just some way that it kind of goes out. All right. Here's four things, though, that are pretty important about biblical. Okay? Write this. Number one. This is, this is basically when you're reading the Old, the Old Testament, Genesis through Malachi, and then also the New Testament. When you look at commands or the narrative and things are done, how is it relevant to me? What principles should I be obeying? What commandments should I be following? All this stuff. Number one is this kind of a grid, is if it continues unaltered in the New Testament. It's in the Old Testament, but it continues unaltered in the New Testament. Okay? You kind of see it throughout. Again, most of the Ten Commandments. Number two, it continues in the New Testament, meaning this Old Testament commandment that Moses gave in Leviticus or Numbers or wherever, but it's changed by the new covenant, okay? Here's an example, adultery, okay? It's kind of expanded. Jesus expanded that. It's expanded to include lust, adultery in your heart. It was, don't commit adultery, but now it's about what goes on in your heart as well. Murder the same thing, okay? It's continued, that commandment's the same, but it's, it's changed a little bit by the new covenant. Third, this law of abrogation. If that word's too crazy for you, don't worry about it. It means it's no longer binding on us. It's Old Testament commandment, but it doesn't mean that we have to do it as followers of Christ. Okay? Again, certain foods, circumcision, different religious feasts, it's not binding on us as Christians in the new covenant. Things changed. Okay. Questions? What's that again? Abro uh, abrogation. Abro. Abro. Abrogation. Abrogation. Think of it. Abrogation. Left. I don't know. Is this making sense? Okay. So this is a very helpful way to figure out what's an essential, what's biblical. Okay. Because a lot of people could come up to you and quote you like 10 verses in the Old Testament. And you got to kind of go through this grid and be like, hold on, dude. Like, let's figure this out. But I'm pretty sure. Okay. All right. Fourth thing. Is it prescriptive or descriptive? You guys probably heard this before. I didn't make these things up. Is it prescriptive or descriptive? Is it prescribed? Like, hey, when we look at the book of Acts, this is exactly how we have to do everything. Or was it a description? I lean more towards the book of Acts, for example, is more of a description of how the Holy Spirit 
and Jesus were continuing their work in the early church. There's some things that are prescribed, things that we should be doing, but some, most of it's a description. That's what happened. doesn't mean we have to do it exactly the same way. But you kind of have to do case by case. Make sense? Is this weird to anybody? Is this off base? All right. I feel like I'm back in seminary. Oh, good. All right. So um, the other thing, too, the other thing I want to get before we start talking about the cultural things is some things are more weighty. Okay. So Jesus in Matthew chapter 23 can someone turn to that verse? Matthew 23, 23. It's actually really easy to remember. Matthew 23, 23. First person there can read it. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting them. Perfect. Okay, so Jesus says, woe to you, not, whoa, you're cool, but, dude, you guys are like, damned, not cool, bad, okay, he was not happy with them, why, they were super legalistic, and they were really deceiving people, because there's different weightier matters of the law, he says, you guys are so legalistic, you guys are so, want everyone to follow you by, by tithing, meaning taking 10% of your spices. Like, think about how small your spices are. You got them in your spice cabinet. They didn't have a spice cabinet. They didn't have little jars. They have them like little sacks. And they're like, all right, 10% of my cumin and this. And they're like, you're not doing that? Oh, and they're like getting on people's case. He's like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, stop freaking out. There's different weights to this. And so as we go through, some things are kind of light, right? This is a three-pound weight. Some things are like, man, I want to get really big biceps, so I'm going to do this all day. And you know what? Maybe if I did like 120 of them, it'd work. But yeah, let's add some more weight. This 10-pounder. That might do some more. Maybe at like 20 reps, I'm like huffing, puffing a little bit. But that might build my bicep a little bit more. You might get a 50-pound dumbbell. You see those guys with big necks, and they're like, and they go, and they use all their bodies to get up. Some people don't. Some people are strong. But some people, it's like a full-body workout doing dumbbells. They're like, right? Have you guys seen that? I almost poked myself in the eye with my pencil, okay? There's been injuries in the gym by people lifting too much weight. Amen? All right, so... There's weightier matters that we can be dealing with. So you guys, we don't need to freak out about things that aren't as serious. But it takes proper hermeneutics, proper study to figure out what these are. Okay? All right. Next, biblical. Next, we got cultural. Okay? Now we're going to start to get in things that are more non-essentials. There's three of them. Things that are cultural, traditional, and personal. First of all, cultural, non-essential things, neutral issues that are just cultural, okay? These are beliefs, values, and practices that are part of a shared community, okay? Cultural. It's kind of what makes us, us, and them, them. Or it's, this is the way that we do things around here, okay? 
this is the way we think and do things around here. That, that would make up a culture. Like, that's different because, well, the way you think and do things around here, that's weird to me. By the way, if you're going to another country and you're traveling, don't walk around saying, that's weird, that's weird, that smells funny. That, just say, oh, that's different. Because for them, it's not weird, right? For them, it's normal and probably good. But for us, it's different, not weird, okay? Just a little one-on-one with traveling. You don't want to offend people unnecessarily. All right. Are you guys with me? All right. So um, we're going to kind of go into what's culture a little bit later. I'm not going to spend too much time on these last three because I want you guys to kind of jump into it, do it yourself. What is this? What does this look like? But um, again, it's beliefs, values, and practices that are part of a shared community, our culture. Um, Erwin Lutzer, he says this, we are locked into our own culture much more than we realize. Listen to this. Yet we always want to absolutize our preferences. Sometimes it's called ethnocentrism, I think it's called. It's where your ethnic group, it's like all about us. Okay. Okay, Sadie, and beliefs? Beliefs, um, values, and practices that are part of a shared community. Makes us, us, and then them. Okay, culture. Okay, music is a good example of this, especially in the church. If you guys have been to different cultures within America or other cultures, uh, it's not biblical how they do music, you know? I think the only thing that makes music biblical is the lyrics, you know? If they're singing about other gods' names, it's probably not biblical. But the kind of instruments they use, how demonstrative they are, the noise level, um, you know, if they have canoes in there and they're banging on a stick, and you're like, don't do that, this is church. Don't bring your car in here, you know? For them, that's an instrument, so it's different, but it's culture. Does that make sense? Okay. The worst thing that missionaries did very early on was they took our Christian culture, England, England's Christian culture, German Christian culture, and they thought in order for those people in Africa or Asia or wherever, in order for them to really follow God, they needed to sit in rows, they needed to learn how to sing music according to or an organ because that's the only way God can truly be worshipped. Okay? So this is, now we have a whole new thing called contextualization, right? You might have heard that. It's like contextualize things for them so they don't have to be American to be Christian. Does that make sense? We don't want to do that. But churches have split because of cultural differences, Right? it can be a huge problem. Which is ironic because, what, 150 years, it might be, 150 to 200 years ago, uh, it was sacrilegious to uh, have an organ in a church. Damn. Or wasn't allowed, that was against, it was sinful, God would condemn you, you're cursed, a good church would never have an organ, but uh, that changed. Changes. Culturally. It changes, yeah. And culture changes, right? Does the Bible change? No. Can you get like new, like spirit kind of adapt some stuff? Like in the moment you could be like, I think spirit, Jesus, he's telling me this. I know this says that, but I think I can, I can kill that person. I think the spirit is 
Tell, right? No, right? This is the authoritative word of God. We're under this, okay? God's not going to go against his word, okay? Next thing, tradition, okay? You guys know what tradition is. This is basically beliefs, values, and practices that come from past convictions or experiences or the result of what happened in the past, okay? You might hear people say, actually, this could be the epitaph on certain tombstones. We've never done it that way before. You know, it's like, whoa, 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 we can't do that. You know, we're planning this like mission trip and certain people say, hey, let's do this and this. Hold on, hold on. We've, we've never done that before. We can't, you know, that's when people are a little too traditional and they almost think it's biblical. The real problem is when tradition and the Bible collide. You know, what trumps what? Some people think their tradition is almost as good as the word of God, right? That happened in the Bible too. Open up to Matthew chapter 15. We'll take a, a good look. Matthew chapter 15. Jesus uh, gives another tongue lashing to the Pharisees. Some Pharisees and teachers of the religious law now arrive from Jerusalem. Chapter 15, verse 1. Matthew 15. They asked him, Why do your disciples disobey our age-old tradition? For they ignore our tradition of ceremonial hand-washing before they eat. Jesus replied, and why do you, by your traditions, violate the direct commandments of God? And he goes on and gives them an example. Go to verse 6. In this way, you say they don't need to honor their parents, and so you cancel the word of God for the sake of your own tradition. And then in verse 9, he's quoting Isaiah. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. Okay, this is Jesus. He's like, you guys can't do this. You can't take your man-made traditions, things that you've always done in your rabbinical culture and taught up to here. You can't apply that as if it's God speaking. He rebuked them for that. Okay, even in Colossians, Paul says in 2.8, Colossians 2.8, you don't have to turn there. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces rather than Christ. Don't do it, okay? So what I want you guys to do is kind of have a firm grip on the Bible. Go ahead and grab your Bible or your smartphone. Have a firm grip on it, but have a loose grip on traditions, things that maybe your parents taught you that are nice, they're cool, they're not really wrong, but they're not biblical as we kind of laid out briefly tonight. Like, some people are super traditional when it comes to, like, the version of Bible they choose to read. Some versions of Bibles were written in 1611. Some were updated in, like, 2006, okay? So when it starts talking about loincloths, which I don't even use that word, and I'm reading, I'm like, dude, this is a different language, the old King James. Like, some people are like, Jesus read that Bible, okay? This is the authorized <laughs> version. I'm like, wait, hold on. No, Paul wrote that, Okay. I'm like, whoa, dude, okay? So some people are really stuck to tradition, and I think I can, you know, we can 
you know, hear from God on, on those type of things. All right, next one. Last one here, and then we'll kind of uh, put these principles into action. Is personal. Won't spend long on this one, but personal is beliefs, values, and practices. Come on, blue pen, you can do it. Beliefs, values, practices that are the result of personal convictions and opinions. Okay? Are you guys starting to see the distinction, though, of what's biblical, cultural, traditional, personal? Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Beliefs, values, and practices that are the result of personal convictions or opinions. From our own understanding and conviction of Scripture and our conscience, we can have a lot of different opinions, preferences. Based on what the Word of God says, I'm going to live and do this thing. But that doesn't necessarily mean it has to be binding on everyone around you. We had a retreat in Remedy many years ago. We had a dude who had a real problem with another girl. The reason is one particular movie she watched. She was super offended. She said, get off my case. And kind of the whole retreat until... He got rebuked by someone. He was just judging her and like outwardly saying how sinful she was by watching this movie. Now, there's a lot of different arguments. Probably different people had different opinions. She personally thought, I don't think I'm sinning. It's a good movie, this. And he was like, no, it has this, this, this. It was kind of a mini controversy at that retreat. But I think it worked out and ended well, don't you think? Oh, man. I won't name names. Just kidding. So let's put these principles into practice. I'll stop talking and let you guys kind of do some work here. Um, Go ahead and grab a pen. I'm passing these around again. Utensils. And grab a paper. Try not to get the answers wrong. Just kidding. No. (laughs) Um, there you go. Actually no wrong answers are allowed. See you guys. Bye, Tyler. Bye, Tyler. Tyler, Tyler doesn't like tests. Tyler, Tyler, take one of these papers home, though, and do it yourself. Okay. All right, grab a pen. Oh, this is hard, Derek. All right, you guys have four minutes to complete it. You have to put something down. All right, let me read it. Think about each item on the following list. Is it an essential issue or a neutral issue? Go ahead and note your thoughts by jotting a letter in front of each item, indicating which category you place it. B, C, T, or P. Biblical, cultural, traditional, personal. All right? Only Bs are the essential. You got four minutes. Four minutes. Go. Everybody can do this. Yeah, B for biblical, C cultural, T traditional, P for personal. Yeah, they're on the sheet too. No cheating. I want all you guys to get 100% on this one. 
Ultimate Fighting Championship. If you don't know, just default to biblical. Just kidding. Mom, stop moaning. Stop talking. Participating. One minute. Don't think too hard. Just the first thing that pops into your head. Remember, Jesus is watching. Uh-oh, you know what that means. The good thing is you guys get to keep this, and so you can work this out on your own. All right. So, it's okay if you didn't finish. Is, it, is everyone done, though? Alright, I'll give you guys 20 seconds. All right, so we're not going to go through everyone. 
because there's a couple of things that we're going to unpack next week. Not these specifically, but just um, some some principles. Um, but go ahead and put your pencil down. We're going to wrap things up. Eyes on me. Eyes on me. No, you could do this tomorrow. It, you don't have to do it right now. We're just going to talk about it. You guys got the flavor, the gist of what's going down. Um, one... A couple things I want to do as we kind of land the plane here on on this topic is um, we want to keep the main thing the main thing. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. The second thing is to keep the second thing second. And so I want to put forward that I think the main thing, obviously, to glorify God, but I think it's by obeying the great commandment and the great commission. I think that encompasses a lot. I think that makes things simple, the GC squared. Um, With that, with godly living and helping others be godly too and happy in God when you're influencing others, we got to make sure too that we don't, because there's a a real propensity of the flesh to want to follow the the herd, the herd mentality. Just go with the crowd. So if everyone's kind of doing that, they must know that it's probably right to do or it's best. We got to watch out for that. That's why our conscience has to be working in order and we got to be ingesting the word of God and asking him to reveal it to us. Um, Because if we're not, um, if we're not convinced on certain things, if we're not fully convinced in our own mind, um, then we're going to be deceived. You know, if you don't stand for something, you guys know it, you're going to fall for everything. You got to stand for something. If you don't, you're going to fall for everything. So you need to be fully convinced as Paul exhorts us to in that passage. And, and again, realize in that passage, if you read the whole thing, there's not a real clear, hey, and I really think that you guys should get your act together. He kind of wants everyone to hear from God and be fully convinced in their own mind about those issues, those non-essential issues. And it's important for us, for our non-essential issues, everything in here, that we're fully convinced of. Yeah, we're going to be wrestling through these things. These, some of these things aren't easy, um, but it's important. So real quick, as we land, just those two things... Um, just kind of this exercise, and then I'm going to pray for us. What was what was easy about doing this exercise? What was what was easy about it? Okay. Yeah, some of them were similar, and in your head, you're like, okay, that kind of fits in that category of non-essentials. That's why I love how Dwight just kind of says, all right, let's break this down, the different kinds of non-essentials. I think that can be helpful for us to figure out how we grapple with them. What was what else was easy about this exercise? The letters are all very easy to draw. Yeah, I mean, a T, it doesn't matter where you put that cross, top, middle. I mean, put on the bottom, that's difficult. But some people overcome. What were you going to say, Mom? Hold on, let. Um, I, okay, now, this 
but yeah but what that means to me is that if I think it's biblical then it is biblical so but is that true yeah. you know I mean it could I be mean a personal maybe I, I don't unless, know I think it's biblical but unless I think we, go we through the all think the biblical things are biblical and they may not be so yeah no that's great did any of you struggle with like oh the Bible kind of talks about this a little bit therefore maybe it's biblical did anyone think about that yeah, and the, the thing with that is, though the Bible might mention something, let's just say drinking alcohol, okay? Yeah, the Bible talks about alcohol. There's people drinking alcohol in the Bible, but I wouldn't put be there like, oh, that's biblical, meaning just because the Bible talks about it, but basically it's saying, is drinking alcohol right or wrong, basically? Okay, that's kind of what it's asking. Not, oh, the Bible mentions it, so I'm going to put biblical. Biblical meaning it's a clear, unmistakable mandate or command revealed in, in the Bible that's consistent what New Covenant, New Testament is teaching. Well, but, yeah. I mean, um, so we talked about the weightiness of things. So just because something may not be weighty, we should still... Yeah, you can have biblical things that aren't as weighty, right? Like it may yeah, absolutely, yeah. Something may not... Oh, that may not be as big a deal, but it's still addressed. For sure. Addressed. Address, but when I when I kind of with this biblical basically means it's kind of what we should be doing or not doing kind of a thing. Whereas others, you're like, okay, um, I don't know. You could pick any of these, but like watching UFC, like okay, not gonna put in the Bible, but the Bible doesn't specifically say, and don't watch hand to hand combat, you know. So we wouldn't put B there, Amy. Good question. I I think if it's wrong, like personally, um, I put having sex before marriage as biblical. It's also, you know, in some cultures also wrong. In traditions, it's wrong. Personally, I think it's wrong. So it kind of can fit in a lot of different. But overall, the Bible kind of makes that pretty clear. true <laughs> biblically wrong nico okay, so sorry mom he rose his hand Yeah. 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 
Yeah. And and overall, before I get to my mom, listen up. This this is a cool exercise because it really kind of we're like, dude, I I might have to study more about that. Like, I'm not really sure. Or another another thing you could do is um, you could you could ask yourself after doing or not doing one of these things is is kind of asking yourself, did that feel clean? You know, and I think that word's helpful. At least I like that word because it's like, you know, because sometimes if you sin and you kind of know it, or at least the Lord kind of draws you, you kind of feel a little ickiness. And sometimes, you know, you don't even have to ask yourself. You're like, that felt totally gross. I feel ugly. I feel ashamed. You know, like that, that wasn't good. But some things you're like, oh, I don't know. Like that person said, hey, why did you do that? I don't think that's good. And you're like, hmm, did that feel clean? And you're like, yeah. My con- like my conscience is good. I've been studying. I can't see anything wrong. I think I'm good. You know, maybe if someone else comes and convince me. But that might be a good question to ask yourself. Does this feel clean? Okay. So, Go ahead, Mom. So the example you mentioned, which is um, sex before marriage, um, I think that's clearly biblical. And you're right. If it's to not do. To not do. Oh, okay. So, but if it's cultural, traditional, and personal, also biblical would trump all those. So you'd put a B because, because. I mean, it's a, whatever's helpful for you. Because right? whether you guys do it how I want you to do it or not, but if it's helpful for you to distinguish some of these things, because really this is just a launching pad to think of. Really, overall, like not too easy. You know, for some of us, we're like, oh, man, which one is it? But the key is this, you guys. This is the key, and I'll I'll just end on this. In essentials, things that are biblical, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. We got to love each other. Let's pray. Jesus Christ, you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Savior of the world. And you bled upon the cross 2,000 years ago to pay the penalty for our sin. You sacrificed your life for us. You shed your blood for us so that we could be made right with you. Thank you for giving us your life. Thank you for rising from the dead. Thank you for um, for speaking to us. And God, I pray that as we continue wrestling with all these neutral issues, God, that we would hear from you, that we would ask you, that we would pray to you, that we would be in fellowship with you in your word. Because that's part of spiritually influencing others and being... Um, being strong in our faith is hearing from you. So God, speak to us in the coming days and months about how we ought to love one another, how we ought to love one another, and I pray that we stop being obsessed with insignificant peripheral issues because when we spend so much time on those things, we don't have really time together to spend time on the most important matters. So God, I pray that we prioritize together In Jesus' name, amen. All right.